With respect to the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 45, which deals with prayer, let us open Holy Scripture and turn to Exodus 30, which deals with the incense offering. And this afternoon, we're going to see the relationship between the incense offering and prayer. We'll read two passages from Exodus 30. Uh, first of all, verses 1 to 10, and then verses 34 to 38. Exodus 30, starting at verse 1. Here God's word reads as follows. You shall make an altar. This is the Lord giving instructions to Moses. You shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length and a cubit its breadth. It shall be square and two cubits shall be its height. Its horns shall be of one piece with it you shall overlay it with pure gold, its top and around its sides and its horns. And you shall make a molding of gold around it. And you shall make two golden rings for it. Under its molding on two opposite sides of it, you shall make them and they shall be holders for poles with which to carry it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put in front of the veil that is above the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat that is above the testimony, where I will meet with you. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it. A regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer unauthorized incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a grain offering, and you shall not pour a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year. With the blood of the sin offering of atonement, he shall make atonement for it once in the year throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. And now we go to the end of the chapter, verse 34, where further instructions are given. The Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices, stacta and anica and galbanum, sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each there shall be an equal part. And make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. You shall beat some of it very small and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I shall meet with you. It shall be most holy for you. And the incense that you shall make according to its composition, you shall not make for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to use as perfume shall be cut off from his people. Thus far the scripture reading. This afternoon, I preach to you God's word as we find it summarized in our Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 45. Question and answer 116 through 119. Here we confess as church, why is prayer necessary for Christians? 
Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us, moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by him? First, we must from the heart call upon the one true God only who has revealed himself in his word for all that he has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery so that we may humble ourselves before God. Third, we must rest on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord as he has promised us in his word. What has God commanded us to ask of him? All the things we need for body and soul as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord himself taught us. What is the Lord's prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. After the sermon, let us sing Psalm 107, stanzas 1 and 12. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, what is prayer? One could say, well, praying is speaking to God. Yes, but what therefore does prayer involve? What is expected of us? What does the Lord delight in? What prayer is he pleased with? What are the prayers from our hearts and lives to be like? According to scripture, the prayers of God's people are like and are to be like an incense offering. In Psalm 141, part of which we sung, David says, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. We can also think, for example, of the last book of scripture where this image of incense representing prayer occurs as well. I'm thinking of Revelation 5 verse 8. In Revelation 5 verse 8, we read this. And when the Lamb had taken the scroll with seven seals, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So these two examples from Scripture, one from Psalm 141, the other from Revelation 5, show that our prayers are to be as an incense offering to God. And it's for that reason that we read from Exodus 30 as our Scripture reading this afternoon. 
it describes the incense offering. Now, if we can understand what an incense offering involved, then we will surely be helped in knowing what praying is all about and what our prayers should entail. Because our prayers are to be like an incense sacrifice. And so we see that although the incense offering itself is a thing of the past, yet the instruction that we can receive from that sacrifice is still very relevant and with us. And we confess that sort of thing in Article 25 of the Belgian Confession. So because the incense offering speaks of the prayers of God's people, that offering helps us to understand prayer. And so this afternoon, let's consider prayer with a view to the incense offering and see from that perspective what the Lord our God expects from us. So the theme for the preaching this afternoon is this. Our prayers are to be as an incense offering to God. We'll see three things. The necessity of prayer, the holiness of prayer, and the certainty of prayer. Now, if you were to enter the tabernacle and you walked into the holy place and you walked straight down the middle of it to the curtain behind which was the holy of holies, then you would walk straight to the altar of incense. This altar stood right in the middle, directly in front of the Holy of Holies. It was a beautiful altar, all covered with gold, and therefore known as the Golden Altar. This altar was normally the closest the priests got to the Holy of Holies, where God was enthroned behind the curtains, enthroned on the cherubim on the mercy seat. It was here at this altar of gold that the priest would offer the precious offering of incense. The very best was burnt before the Lord and so given to him. The offering of costly incense was a recognition of the Lord's place as God. This offering was performed twice a day, every morning and every evening. Now, as you can imagine, in the close surroundings of the tabernacle, the smoke and smell of this offering would always be hanging in the air. It would never really fully dissipate. Indeed, verse 8 literally speaks of a consistent, a perpetual incense before the Lord for the generations to come. Now, why was this continued smoke, this continued smell, this burning, why was that demanded by the Lord? To answer this question properly, we must realize that the critical element was not the smoke, but it was the smell of the incense. This is clear, for example, from the exact directions that the Lord gave for the preparation of the mixture of incense. The parts had to be mixed exactly so. As we read in Exodus 30, the instructions were, take fragrant spices, gum resin, onica, gabanum, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts, and make a fragrant blend of incense, the work of a perfumer. It is to be salted and pure and sacred. So God gave very precise directions 
as to exactly the composition of this incense because God wanted the right perfume, the right fragrance, the sweet-smelling savor of a well-composed incense. Now, because the altar of incense was directly in front of the curtain separating the most holy place from the holy place, the fragrance would eventually work its way through and around the curtains to the very throne of God. The Lord demanded that sacrifice of incense, that burning, so that he, the Lord, could take in the sweet savor, for it was all not well between him and his people. They lived in covenant communion with each other. It was a sweet fellowship. He in the midst of Israel with his people. This fragrant, smelling savor symbolized that communion, that beautiful fellowship of God and his people. And therefore, the incense was an apt symbol of the prayers of Israel to their God. It indicated that there was peace and harmony between God and his people. There was good covenant communion. It was a sweet fellowship. And so the Lord wanted to savor the burnt incense constantly, a continuing symbol of the bond of peace between him and his people. Fellowship had been restored between God and man, and that truth was expressed in the sweet savor of the incense offering. Now that all of this is indeed involved in the incense offering is clear from what happened, for example, during the wanderings of Israel in the desert to the promised land. To take an example, in Numbers 16, we read that Israel was still grumbling and murmuring against Moses and Aaron. Yes, therefore murmuring against God. Even though Korah, Dathan, and Abiram had just been punished in the most terrible way the day before by being swallowed up alive by the earth. Now, because of this constant sinful grumbling, in spite of divine discipline, the Lord intervened. He came down in glory to the tabernacle, and he said to Moses, Get away from this assembly so I can put an end to them at once. The fellowship with God had been broken. There was only the stench of sin and iniquity. It hurt the holy nostrils of God. He was very angry, and he was ready to make an end to the whole stinking business. The aroma of sweet communion and fellowship was no more. What could Moses and Aaron do? The Lord had told them to get away from the congregation. He apparently gave Moses and Aaron no opportunity to pray for the people as they had done on a similar occasion before. So what did Moses do? He did the next best. He said to Aaron, get the incense, burn it. He ordered Aaron to use the symbol of prayer, the sweet-smelling savor of what the real communion of God and Israel was like had to be produced. The Lord must smell something different from the rebellion and the sin. He must be reminded of the sweet odor of the prayers that had in the past 
been received from Israel, prayers that were possible because of the ministry of reconciliation, prayers symbolized by the burning of incense. And so Aaron had promptly taken his censer, gotten fire from the altar, and burned incense. The Lord's glory filled the tabernacle, and so Aaron could not enter into the tabernacle. And so Aaron, with the burning censer in his hands, he ran and stood in the midst of the people of Israel. Israel was being consumed by the wrath of God. God had ordered Moses and Aaron to get away. Aaron runs right into the middle of the people holding the censer with incense burning. Israel being consumed by the wrath of God. Aaron standing between the living and the dead with the incense, the symbol of prayer, the high priestly incense offering that spoke of the atonement that spoke of this sweet fellowship and communion of God with his people. Incense, the prayer for the peace of Zion, the symbol of prayer for peace, and therefore a sweet-smelling savor in the midst of the foul odor of rebellion. And what happened? When the Lord smelt the incense offering, he responded, he wanted peace and communion and covenant unity with Israel in righteousness. After all, he had ordered, he had ordained this particular offering of incense. And so God stopped the plague. The fragrant symbol of prayer had been smelled by him. The symbol of prayer of peace and thanksgiving based on the ministry of reconciliation with shed blood. Yes, the peace that was possible because of the service of atonement. And so the incense offering was needed. It stopped the plague that day. People were dying. God recognized the incense offering and stopped his judgment. The incense offering was something the Lord rejoiced in. It spoke of the sweet smell of fellowship based on his redeeming work. And so the Lord demanded this offering, and Israel understood. It therefore became a custom that as the sign of their prayer was offered in morning and evening, people would gather outside the temple and pray because they knew God wanted the sweet savor of prayer to accompany the incense offering. It spoke of prayer. And so we see this custom, for example, in the New Testament. As you know, Zechariah had been chosen by lot to burn incense in the temple. And then we read in Luke 1, and I quote, When the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. The incense offering spoke of the prayers of God's people. And when God hears those prayers... It's a sweet savor to him, and he rejoices in the fellowship. Well, as the Lord demanded the sign of prayer, the incense offering, he certainly demands prayer from us today. God wants to hear from us in prayer. Prayer is necessary. 
because our prayers are to be the fragrant savor of a glad and happy sinner who knows he has peace with God. Indeed, because it is to be the sweet savor of the covenant fellowship, prayer must, above all, be a prayer of thanksgiving. From God's point of view, how beautiful and wonderful for him when he sees us falling down before him in prayer. What a fruit of his salvation work. By nature, we want to stand up against God. But God sees us, hands folded in prayer to him, and so experiencing communion with him and expressing thanks by making use of the means of fellowship that God has given. And God delights in prayer, just as he delighted in the incense offering of old. It is the sweet savor he delights in amidst all the stench of sin that rises from this world and that hurts and irritates him. And so God, when we pray, he sees the results of his work of redemption. Communion is possible between God and his people. And God rejoices when he sees that communion in action with the prayers rising up to him like incense. And so prayer must occupy a central place in our life because God delights in it. And it reminds God continually of his beautiful work of redemption, that from a rotten and decaying world, there is a people who know the Lord and who experience the new life. Yes, a people who go to God in prayer and as with the sacrifice of incense, give their very best to God. For what is prayer? Is it not an opening of our hearts and the most hidden thoughts and secrets to God? Is it not a sacrifice of our lips in which we lay our everything before him as a sacrifice of gratitude? Oh, our gratitude to God can be shown in many ways, but it starts with prayer. That is the chief part of thankfulness, as the Catechism reminds us. Without prayer, no true acts of thankfulness are possible, and that is why it in particular is the sweet savor in which God delights, and therefore prayer is demanded of us. And our prayers must continue without end. Just as the sacrifice of incense was to be offered continually, and just as the beautiful smell never left the mercy seat, so God demands our prayers continually. Indeed, God exhorts us in his word in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray constantly. Indeed, our prayer must be our life rather must be characterized by prayer by the realization of the bond of peace we have with the living god and making use of that reality and so living in holy communion with him in this way we show our thanks and then god is well pleased for then he forgives and he forgets the stench of sin that can also foul our lives and this takes us to our second point, the holiness of prayer. Our God is holy. 
And when he laid down the rules for that which symbolized prayer, the incense offering, then God was very particular. He was very exact. We can think, for example, of the ingredients of the incense. Everything was precisely spelled out. Or think of the structure of the altar. Precise instructions were given. In Exodus 30 and elsewhere in the books of Moses, it's very clear what the Lord desires with respect to the incense sacrifice. However, human beings, being what they are, we easily underestimate God's strict demands. Yes, and so Israel also underestimated the fact that God is serious when he lays down the rules. God is holy. He's God. Awesome is he in majesty and splendor, and he will be approached properly. Otherwise, even the incense, even the prayers of Israel are not sweet-smelling and are no good. There are several examples of how the Lord struck with death or other punishment when the holiness of the incense offering was violated and not reckoned with. To give an example, think of the incident in Leviticus 10. We read there, and I quote, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense. And they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. What happened? Well, the unauthorized fire they offered was that they apparently did not use the fire God had specified, the holy fire that was to come from the great altar of burnt offering that was outside the tabernacle in the courtyard. Instead, Nadab and Abihu apparently had taken a shortcut and had taken the fire from somewhere else. Unholy fire. God killed them for it. How easily one can underestimate the holiness of God who wants everything dedicated to him in love with perfection. In sinful human hearts, the question can easily arise, didn't the Lord overreact by just killing Nadab and Abihu just like that? Wow! However, in neglecting to use the fire from the great sacrifice of atonement, these men were despising the grace of God and underestimating their own sinful condition. Fire from the atonement sacrifice was needed, and therefore, because they neglected the atonement, God struck them down. As human beings who are by nature sinful, we are so easily careless when it comes to appreciating God's holiness. Well, the Lord continually reminded Israel of how holy the sacrifice of incense really was and how it had to be kept holy. To give one other example, think of how King Uzziah was struck with leprosy for offering incense to the Lord. He probably had good motives, but no, not the king, but the priest had to do that offering. 
And so the Lord constantly reminded Israel, if the sacrifice of incense is to be pleasing to me, it must be kept holy and used according to my word. Well, our God is just as insistent with the reality that the incense sacrifice represents. Also with our prayers, God is very strict as to what he wants from us. He wants our prayers to be just so. That is, he wants our prayers offered up in the realization that when we approach God, we are approaching him who is holy, holy, holy. God wants our prayers to be holy. Otherwise, our prayer is not acceptable to him. And then it's not a sweet savor, but it's a stench of sin and unholiness. We are living in an egalitarian world. We are not supposed to consider anybody higher than yourself. And surely living in such an environment, we can use this reminder of the holiness of God. Respect and awe for God as God is totally lacking in our culture today. We live in a world of sin, also in this respect. Let us beware that none of it rubs off on us. The seriousness of what prayer and praying is cannot be overestimated. We're not chatting to our neighbor when we approach the Most High. We're not talking to ourselves when we pray but we are addressing the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one whom the angels and the seraphim address as holy, holy, holy Lord of hosts. And as they say this, they cover their faces, for great and awesome is his glory. It is this God of holiness that we also speak to in prayer. And therefore, when we offer our sacrifice of incense, our prayers to God, let us beware that it meets the Lord's demands for holiness and that it is truly pleasing to him. No unauthorized fire on the altar, no strange ingredients, lest it not be pleasing to him. Perhaps one of the biggest dangers threatening our prayers is that we grow so accustomed to praying that the danger is real that we are forgetting who exactly God is and we're forgetting our condition as totally unworthy and sinful before the Most High. There is nothing that turns the Lord off as much as seeing his people approach him with the wrong attitude. You know, our prayers may be technically flawless. We may even be praying the Lord's Prayer, the perfect prayer. But if such a prayer is not accompanied with a humble and contrite heart, that knows I'm approaching God, who of grace has redeemed me, then the Lord despises it. In the time of the prophet Isaiah, all the sacrifices were done in a technically correct manner. Everything went perfect. The whole temple service was done perfectly. But Isaiah said, Israel no longer knows their God and therefore no longer knows their true position over against God. Oh, the priests sacrificed and they prayed, but they no longer did it in the awareness of God's holiness or in the knowledge of their 
unworthiness. And therefore, this is what God said to Isaiah in chapter 1, verse 13 and 15. Listen to this. God said, stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Isn't that something? These people thought they were very religious. They did everything perfectly. And God said, oh, stop it. I can't stand it. The Lord is also warning us through a passage like that, reminding us that prayer is a serious matter. Whether it be held in public worship or in the privacy of a bedroom, prayer needs to be brought knowing God and ourselves. Whether it be prayer offered at the dinner table or at Young People's Society or in Bible study groups, prayer is an approach to God, the Holy One, who will not tolerate a wrong attitude. Praying is serious business. It is offering a sacrifice of gratitude to God. And as Psalm 51, verse 17 puts it, the sacrifices of God that are pleasing to him are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God will not despise a broken and contrite heart, Psalm 51 tells us. Only if we so approach God, as the catechism also reminds us, knowing our sins, knowing our unworthiness, and appreciating God's grace and love, only then is our prayer a sweet-smelling savor and fragrance pleasing to the Lord. For then there is a real covenant relationship and an awareness of God's redemption and peace. And then we know God will hear our prayer and he will answer it. And then we know something of the certainty of prayer. And this brings us to our third point, the certainty of prayer. If we consider the holiness of God, then we know that really our prayers, our prayers will never be perfect. Our prayers will never be holy as God is holy. And when you consider Scripture and God's high demands, you almost become afraid to pray because God demands perfection. And yet we know and confess God will accept our prayers as a sweet savior. He will hear them and he will answer them. How do we know that? How can we say that? Because of the atonement that has taken place once for all, for all our sins. Because of the blood that has been shed on Golgotha, all of it signed and sealed this morning with the Lord's Supper celebration. Our prayers are to have a close relationship with the atonement sacrifice. And this association was already seen in the Old Testament symbol of prayer, the incense offering. It's very interesting how there was a very close relationship between the incense sacrifice inside the tabernacle and the atonement offering outside the tabernacle. They were closely related. Both sacrifices were offered at the same time. And the fire for the incense offering had to come from the fire that was used in the atonement sacrifice. Furthermore, both altars were similar. 
The golden altar of incense was a miniature copy, as it were, of the great altar outside, the burnt offering altar. The close relationship of the sacrifice of atonement and the acceptability of the incense offering symbolizing prayer is also seen in the fact that each year the horns of the incense altar had to be smeared with blood from the sacrifice on the altar outside. That had to happen on the great day of atonement. And so we know the incense sacrifice of our prayers are cleansed by the great sacrifice of atonement, Jesus Christ. Christ sanctifies our prayers and makes them acceptable to God. Our prayers would never be a sweet-smelling savor if it wasn't for Christ's atoning work to cleanse them and bring them acceptably to God. He washes our prayers from any sin remaining in them against our will. And so our prayers go up to the throne of God and are found pleasing to him for Christ's sake. But there is more. Not only are our prayers made holy by Christ, but our prayers are also accompanied by Christ's intercessory prayers. For our prayer to the Father is accompanied by Christ's prayer of intercession, his prayer for forgiveness, his prayer for us, for the covenant peace with God. In this context, we can think of the promise in 1 John 2, verse 1. If anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So when you pray, think of it. When you pray, think of it. As your prayer goes up to God, the Lord Jesus is there adding to it as our advocate and high priest, pleading for us, accept the prayer, Father, because I've atoned for all the sins of that person. In Revelation chapter 8, the Apostle John sees a vision, a vision of the prayers of the saints that are going up to heaven like incense, sacrifice. But John notices that added to those prayers of the saints is more incense, it's heavenly incense. And so the mixture of the heavenly and the earthly incense goes up to God. That picture reminds us that our prayers reach the Father accompanied by the heavenly prayers of Jesus Christ who intercedes for us and pleads for us and who makes our incense sacrifice of gratitude pleasing to the Father. And so the Father in heaven delights in our prayers, in our thanksgivings, in our pleas, in our joys, in our requests made in sorrow. He receives our sacrifice of incense, even if it's just a few stumbling words in agony, reaching the Father. He will accept them. He will listen to them. And our Father in heaven will provide. Why? Because in Christ and because of Christ's atonement sacrifice, he has provided and our prayers are acceptable to him. That is our comfort. Every time we offer our prayers to him in the awareness of Christ's atoning work, he will surely hear 
and in his own divine way, he will answer our prayers for Christ's sake and for the sake of the covenant peace in which he delights. Amen.